0: Welcome to Now Tell Us. I'm your host, Anthony Mwurore. Now this is where you come to tell us an inspiring story or highlight an issue that you're passionate about. And uh, we have a guest today who is going to come and tell us some interesting things. You don't want to miss this. And uh, you can find this podcast on any of your favorite platforms, uh, Audible, uh, google podcast itunes just for search for now tell us and you'll find us there and please share these with your friends and uh, let's get to have a good time and without taking much more time i'm going to introduce our guest today who is known as robert b foster welcome to the show
1: welcome thank you for having me i said yeah. welcome I'm, I'm used to being a host <laughs> so, so i'm used to saying welcome so thank you for having me
0: oh yeah and you'll tell us uh, something about uh, that uh, where you you're always a host but today you are the guest and we are that's honored right. to have you here
1: <laughs> good glad to be here
0: yeah so now please tell us who is robert b fossa
1: oh that's a loaded question <laughs> i can answer that many many ways so who I am at my core is I'm a competitor and I'm an athlete. So whenever people ask me that question, or even on my show, when I ask people that question, they tend to give characteristics about like their careers. It's like I'm a good leader and I'm passionate and I'm all of those things too. But who I am to my core is I'm a competitor, I'm a father, and I, I just love I just love to compete. I love the, I'm a thrill seeker. You know, okay. so at, at my core, that's who I am.
0: And what are you competing about? I mean, what do you compete about?
1: Any, anything really, <laughs> like literally anything. But I'm into sports. So so I'm 47 years old and I still compete in track and field. I run obstacle races. I'm in a volleyball league. I'm in a softball league. And like just literally anything, no matter what it is, I play to win. So everything.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. Thank being you. A competitor, oh, I mean, if I, if I uh, am at being a competitor all my life, that's going to be a beautiful one where I'm always ready to win and struggle and fight and come yes. out winning. So, so that's a good one. Thank you. And where is Robert from? So I was born
1: in New York City, but I was raised in Rhode Island, and that's wh- where I am now, in uh, Rhode Island.
0: Okay. Tell us a bit about your childhood, if you wouldn't mind.
1: So I'm the youngest of seven, so big old, big old family, and you know, being the youngest of seven, it, it has it has its ups, ups and downs. You know, it's good being the baby, but mm-hmm. but it's but it's also it also sucked being last. <laughs> you know, so so you know, the bigger kids got more freedoms. You know, because obviously they were older, and so mm-hmm. being the younger one, you know, I got more of mom mom's attention, <laughs> but just. Growing up, that's kind of where my competitiveness kind of kicked in because we were all athletes. So Mm -hmm. we all played a wide variety of sports. And I just started seeing my older siblings winning trophies and winning ribbons and medals and just all kinds of awards. And I wanted those. And so it, it it pushed me to work for it. But the biggest thing I wanted, I was so sick of being called somebody's little brother. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to be Rob or Robert. <laughs> so mm-hmm. everywhere I went, oh, you're, you're Monique's little brother. You're Ralph's little brother. You know, you're Regina's little brother. Like, my name is Rob, okay. <laughs> it's like, call me Rob. <laughs> like I absolutely love all, all of my siblings, mm-hmm. but just that was the one thing that really drove me. It's like, I want to get to the point to where I'm known as me, <laughs> you know, and not associated mm-hmm. with my siblings.
0: Mm, and that's interesting because I happen to be the youngest of seven siblings. Okay. <laughs> nice. And I get to everything that you talk about. And about. Uh, and, and the good thing is that uh, if you have siblings that are ahead of you, you, you are always uh, striving to be the best version of any of them that you identify yes. with. Now, <laughs> that, if you're positively focused on life, which I can see it in you,
1: Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Like, my one of my older brothers, and he did track and field also, and he would write all of his best performances on white t-shirts, mm-hmm. and and I had a secret, secret pad, and I wrote them all down. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna beat all this guy's efforts. <laughs> like, everything he does, I'm gonna beat it. So, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and like I said, that's what fuels me, and even now, it's just become part of who I am. Even, mm-hmm. Like, I, I love to hike, and I look for the steepest, most difficult places to, to go hike, just because mm-hmm. everything is a challenge to me, but I, I take it back, it stems back from that part of my childhood of just having so many competitive siblings, it just kind of naturally evolved.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's good when they set the pace for you, so you can work hard and you can you, you, you have more strength to yes. walk into and come out shining. So it's yeah,
1: good. It, it makes you want to practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. I was like, you know, again, watching my brother and my sister, she was a, she was a high jumper also. And I used to constantly just watch her, just mm-hmm. watch her arm movements. You know, cause she was a state champion. And mm-hmm. she's three, three years ahead of me, I believe three or four, three or four years ahead of me. But Thank I you. would just I would just study her, her training habits. And mm-hmm. then, just once, I finally started to to grow and get muscles and stuff. Like I already had a good base from watching her and from watching my brother do the triple jump. So mm-hmm. it just it just helped me better follow in their footsteps, but then formulate my own legacy.
0: Mm. So how how many of them are they? I mean, brothers and sisters.
1: And I have four sisters, two brothers.
0: Oh, four sisters. Two brothers. Okay. That's why we differ. But anyway, let's <laughs> <continue>. <laughs> I have, I have um, two, three sisters and uh, three brothers. Okay. okay. One passed on uh, a year I or know. so, oh, but uh, it's okay. We are pushing on and uh, we thank God for everything. But uh, let's come here. Which are your greatest triumphs in your sporting in your
1: <laughs> the greatest
0: trials yeah the tri- when, triumphs triumphs oh, win. Triumph, win. triumph, wins. yes in, in your, compet- so, your competing so, <laughs> so there were there were
1: quite quite a few mm-hmm. but but believe it or not the game changer came from a loss mm-hmm. you know so like in track and field I mean I've won championships in every sport i played so you know volleyball basketball baseball Uh, I lied. I didn't win one in soccer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I won many awards in track and field. But the game changer for for me was my senior year in track. I was undefeated in the high jump. I was undefeated in the the triple jump. Mm -hmm. And so going into the state meet, I was seated seated first. And I easily should have won. But this is the one time where doubt got into my my head. Mm -hmm. because It had rained overnight. And I'm not blaming my dad by any means, but my dad got me the wrong size spikes. So I got, like I needed quarter-inch spikes, and he mm-hmm. got me eighth-inch spikes. Because you know, hindsight being 2020, I could have borrowed somebody else's spikes. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but I didn't, you know, I was a 17-year-old, <clears throat> 17-year-old hothead. And so on my first jump in the high jump, my foot slipped and and I fell. And then i let that get into my head. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up With third and the way track and field works it doesn't matter what happens the rest of the season you know all state is decided by your performance in that meet even though I went undefeated broke three three records (laughs) I was still pushed down to the third team all state and that bothered me for a very long time
2: Mm -hmm. like
1: I want to say I was early 30s before Mm -hmm. I I was able to finally let that
2: go Mm -hmm. but but that's where I got into the storytelling okay. and you know, that's a, a big part of, of what I think we're going
1: to, we're going to discuss today mm-hmm. is the power in telling your story. So I went back and I revisited that moment and it may not sound like a big deal to some people, but I trained for that moment. I trained years to earn that title and to earn that level of all state. And so trying to, trying to navigate through that wasn't easy, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy at all. And so the, the following year, I actually made it to all American status, but then uh, I ended up getting injured at the nationals. And mm-hmm. those, those two events like haunted me, mm-hmm. you know, cause like, cause like I said, I'm very competitive. So when you set a goal and you don't reach the goal, it hurts you to your core, like to your soul.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: And so now where I made the switch was I was focusing on me. You know, just focus on me, you know, being let down, not reaching that and not realizing there's all types of teachable moments in there that I can use from those experiences to help other people, especially other athletes. Mm. So, So now as I'm coaching and I can go to these athletes and let them know, you know, I could have had this, but I got in my head. It's like you're in your head right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I take my experience and try to motivate and inspire this next generation of athletes to not make the same mistake I made.
0: Mm. And what happens in life is that uh, there are so many things we can do and uh, uh, so many things that we have control over. But then things happen in our lives where we have no control over the cards are dealt to us that we've got to play despite them being the odd ones out and uh, yes. I I admire the steps that you've made from those experiences from those losses and then that loss that you uh, hit your, I mean you hurt your knee and you had to come out shining and uh, taking it to be a story to tell yes. and inspire people and move them from a point of pain into a point of power and I like that
1: I like yes that. <laughs> and, and so those two events actually mm-hmm. helped me for what was to come next yeah <laughs> right so and I took maybe about a 10-year absence from track and field started mm-hmm. managing re- restaurants so you know, be, became a dad I have five of my own kids now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I wanted to recapture myself because, you know, working in a restaurant, it's not easy, especially yeah. when you're the manager. And mm-hmm. um, I'll, like I was kitchen manager and general manager for a while and everything flows through you. So there's not a lot of downtime, you know, whenever there's problems that come into you and I'm a happy-go-lucky type and, mm-hmm. and unless I'm in competition. Like if I'm in competition then the beast comes out. But in everyday life, I like to have fun. I like to joke around and just laugh. And so just sometimes as a manager, you can't, you have to be stern. You know, sometimes you have to let people go. And, you know, it's like, I didn't like that aspect of it because I had to become someone I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want want to get back to my athletic roots. So I started training. This was right around the time when P90X came out. Mm -hmm. And so, so I went, I bought P90X and this was before I I got into being a fitness coach. Mm -hmm. So, so I bought that and I was almost all the way through it when I had my first track meet. And so I get out there at the Masters Championships. I was 32, 34, somewhere around there, early 30s. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing the long jump. I I win the long jump, but I kind of tweaked my right quad a little bit. And so we get over to the high jump now. I have my age bracket one, but there was one more person. Still jumping, but he was forty-five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so now technically I won my age bracket. He won his age bracket, but I wanted to beat him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I want to beat everybody out here. I want to leave no doubts. Right, mm-hmm. so so I was like, all right, let me jump. Let me jump again. I go. I run. I jump, and I felt a little tug in my left knee. Mm-hmm. Now this was the knee that I hurt in the nationals, you know, twelve years prior. Mm-hmm. And so every now and then it flares up like it's tendinitis. So, so I was like, all right, uh, no big deal. Like he goes, he jumps, he misses it. But mm-hmm. I could I could tell he was spent. So I said to my now ex, I was like, throw me the tape. I said, I think, I think he's done. I said, I'm gonna take one more and we'll we'll put this out of reach. And mm-hmm. she even said to me, she's like, you don't have to jump. And I was like, yes, I do. And this next jump changed my entire world. Mm-hmm. Right. So I get up there. It really is something like out of a out of like like a, a novel or something, just, just the way this played out. Because everything was perfect. You know, the temperature was perfect. There was a minimal wind. You know, like high jump in a pole, pole, people tend to flock to because I like an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there's people all around the high jump pit. Like I said, could couldn't have asked for it for a better setting. And then I run down to do my approach. I plant to jump, I saw white and then I'm on the ground.
2: <clears throat>
1: so i like, once I, I come to, cause it was like, you know how like you, those dots in front of your eyes.
2: Mm. So it's
1: like, you know, my eyes went blurry for a second. And then when I came to, I looked down and my kneecap wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, um, my kneecap has shifted about this far up my quadricep. Mm. So I had a full patella tendon rupture, plus some other stuff in there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So the athletic trainer comes running over. Now, I couldn't feel any of that, thank God, because I felt that I probably would have went into shock, but it went instantly numb.
2: Mm-hmm. So the,
1: adle- the athletic trainer comes over, and I told her I already yelled for for my, my now ex to call, call an ambulance, because I had, I had my hands like this over my knee, so she, she couldn't see what what was happening Mm -hmm. and so she's like she's like oh i don't i don't think you're gonna need an ambulance and i moved my hands and she's like oh my god (laughs) it it was it was so bad but where it all where it all changed is now i'm in the hospital Mm -hmm. and the the er doctor comes in he removes the brace that the EMTs put on and without missing a beat he says you will never run or jump again Mm. Now, I told you I'm a competitor, Mm -hmm. right? Told you I have five kids. And so all my kids were little at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I instantly, I start crying. You know, I look up at my ex and, you know, she's got tears in her eyes because she knows what, like, I need my body. Mm -hmm. And, but at that moment, I looked back at the doctor and I said, you don't have the right to tell me what I can heal from. Yeah. You know, I was like, this is my story to write. This mm-hmm. this this isn't this isn't your story to write. You know, because I heard an interview with Les Brown. You know, he was diagnosed, he was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And he I was in a mastermind group that he was a guest speaker for when when he said this. He said his doctor came in and basically said that there's they've exhausted everything that they can do in his fight with cancer. So he says, So you're telling me I'm going to die? He's like, that's not for me to say. He says, on a medical level, we've done what we can do. What you know, how long you live is between you and God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like I went at this with that same mentality. I said, so you can tell me I'll never run or jump again, but I don't have to listen to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was supposed to rehab for a year and a half. I went through physical therapy. Now, the the first two weeks was rough because his words were still swirling around in my head. I mean, I am human, you know, so so like with each step, it was it was very, very painful, very painful. Like I was in the hospital two days, two days longer than I should have been post-surgery because the pain was just insane. And so just going home, you know, my twin boys were four months at the time. So we had to have a babysitter come to the house while my ex went to work. And, but she had to help me too so here i am i'm 34 years old i have a walker you know a walker is and you know just the thought that what if this guy's right and then everything changed when i went for my first follow-up appointment where the doctor told me i can start putting pressure on, on my, my my foot so i, I went there with crutches mm-hmm. so i start putting pressure you know start putting more and more pressure started you know walking with both crutches then I put down one crutch, then I put down the other crutch, <laughs> and mm. and I just started walking. I was like, I, I I probably could have did this a week ago, you know. It's like, and, and I get it. The doctors have to err on the side of caution, but I was like, I definitely could have walked a week ago. Uh-huh. And so, I was, so I was like, from here on out, I'm writing my own prescriptions. <laughs> you know, it's like within <laughs> within reason. You know, I'm not I'm not suggesting to people to not listen to your doctor. I'm just sharing mm. what I did. And so each step of the way, they gave me minimum things to do, but they never said maximum, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I, when I tell you, I was I was rehabbing all day from stretching to the electric stim to just everything I could do, just you know strengthening my hips. I was like, I'm making a full comeback. And so now we fast forward. This was I think five months, <clears throat> five months past that, right? Because this was in July. No, it must have been longer because it was getting it was getting warm again. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to run. And I tried, and granted, I looked like a newborn giraffe, but I ran. <laughs> it was like I ran about fifty yards. yeah, and at that moment, it was like I'm making a full comeback. It's like I'm making a full comeback. I said, like, because it's not about what happened. Mm-hmm. It's about how you bounce back from it., oh. and so when I'm working with people, in creating their stories and helping them tell their stories so many people are stuck on the what happened
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know i said it's not about what happened mm-hmm. it's about what one second after it happened through today it's mm-hmm. like that's the story but so i got into uh, to obstacle racing you know short shortly after in that time i also donated a kidney to my sister but that's a separate story Okay. So those two surgeries, and then I got into obstacle course racing. Like that 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 was where I first started to push it. Like I, I had a special brace made for for my knee in case I slid or anything. But I wasn't ready to get back on the track yet. Cause that was the thing. It's like I have to at some point get back on the track or else the injury still wins. Mm. You know, even though I'm back playing basketball, I'm back playing volleyball. You know, I'm jumping again, but that was still lingering. It's like, what if I jump again and now I need a knee replacement, mm. you know, in my 30s? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so it's like I still let that linger. And then so with with the kidney donation for donors and recipients, there, there's an Olympic style competition called the Transplant Games. Okay. And And so remember earlier i said i'm I'm competitive i had dreams you know i i had olympic dreams and so it's like maybe this is the second chance Mm. you know so like it's not gonna be like the big games but at least it's a second chance to at least kind of get that feeling Mm. and so i was like you know what 2016 i'm gonna go to cleveland i'm gonna compete in the transplant games you know and and that was more so just to, to finish the story Mm-hmm. that's like i got hurt on the track but i was able to get back out there kind of like tiger woods yesterday getting back out on the golf course after that horrific crash last year mm-hmm. you know like like it's about coming everything coming full circle yeah and and so i get out there i got i took i took second in the long jump i took third in the 100 meters and i did both of those with a pull with a pulled quad oh. but i ended up winning the high jump Huh. <laughs> you know, the one thing that I was afraid to do, like mm. I was just going to take one jump and call it quits. But I was like, you know, I took the one, the one jump, I felt good. And then next thing, thing you know, I was the last man standing. And again, it goes in age brackets. I beat them all. Cool. <laughs> I beat the teens. I beat the 20 somethings. I beat the 30 somethings. <laughs> it's like I beat them all. I was like, wow. And And I share that not in a bragging sense, because i was doubting myself all these years
2: mm. you
1: know so once i dropped that doubt i was able to get back to my full potential even after those two major surgeries mm. and, and so then it really came full circle because there's also a world transplant games mm. and i was selected to, rep- to represent team usa which is what i wanted to do in the, the other olympics
2: whoa so- Beautiful. Yeah.
1: You know, so granted, COVID took that away, but yeah. but still, just the fact that it's like, I'm on Team USA. It's like, talk about a dream come true, uh-huh. you know? And then so, so now when you tell the story, you go back to where the doctor said you'll never run or jump again. Mm. And I think back, I've done, probably closing in on 200 races now, between... 200. Between track meets and obstacle races, I did a 30-mile Spartan Ultra. I ran a half marathon. I've done multiple oh yeah, take Spartan Ultra. <laughs> you know, I've done multiple Spartan <laughs> Spartan races, you know, obstacle course races, challenges, and it's just it's just insane. And it's like, had I let that person control my thoughts, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to accomplish the things that I have.
0: Mm. You know. Yeah, and and I know there's someone who's listening to this or watching this, and uh, might have given up because of an occurrence, something that happened in his life or her life that uh, was so challenging. And your story gives this person a new perspective, uh, which means that uh, if you're down, you don't have to remain down, You, you can face up and jump high. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes yeah and, and yeah. the big thing is is to not let other people clip your wings okay you know, you know it's, mm-hmm. it's like even even though I I talk about my journey through it the biggest thing that I can stress mm-hmm. is letting somebody else tell you what you're capable of
2: Hmm.
1: You know, yeah. as, as that doctor tried to with with me and granted you know that's his profession I get it but you did not study Rob Foster's will to succeed
0: Mm. yeah because many people are going to judge you based on your education based on where you come from based on your color based on your height weight or whatever you name it and uh, they they will tell you that you can't do it because of this that or whichever but you've got to remember that you are made complete and you're able to accomplish anything that you put your mind to because as napoleon hill said Whatever your mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve.
1: Yes. Yeah. It goes back to that saying, too, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right.
0: Then you're right. And and
1: it's true. It's like once I took those first steps in running, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm I'm making a comeback. And then with that first meet, winning the high jump, Mm -hmm. I've been undefeated since Mm -hmm. I got back on the track. Since Mm -hmm. 2016, I have not lost the high jump that's beautiful or 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 the long jump you know truth be told
0: (laughs) yeah that's beautiful now in your story you talk about your ex you're talking about five kids but then you're talking about your ex how is this
1: (laughs) well i am now a single parent of said five five children well (laughs) my my older my two older kids were from I, i was married in early 2000 so i had my oldest son and my oldest daughter with her but I had well they're, they're adults now but I had full custody of them
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: so they were always with me and then I was in a 13-year relationship you can call call a marriage but we never got married but we were 13 years and then I had my my um younger daughter and then my twin boys
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I had 50 50 custody with her
0: mm-hmm then then so now you have some young ones you have two old i mean adult children and you have three young ones and yeah
1: well the younger ones the young ones my daughter is 15 and my twins are 13 so okay. they're not like
0: little little uh-huh but you remarried again oh no i'm single you're still oh yeah i had that that escaped me but I said <laughs> how do you manage it that, that's interesting how do you manage it
1: you know i tell people it's it's no different than having two kids you're just adding three more <laughs> so so it's, it's like you feed one you feed five you buy clothes for, for for two you buy clothes for five It's you just make it happen mm-hmm. you know like there's, there's no there's no real real secret to it because people always ask that like oh i could never like if you had five you could yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you don't have a choice. Uh-huh. You know, it's like you, you just you just have to you just have to prioritize it. But that mm-hmm. was a big reason why I left the restaurant industry because I, I couldn't go to some of the school functions or, or I I'd show up to the sports games all late because something happened at the restaurant and I couldn't leave on time. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the biggest thing with having a big family is that you gotta have time available. Mm. You know, yeah. if you don't have time available, then the other parents gonna get run down. I mean, I'm, I'm by myself now, but I mean, just in the two-family household, mm. you know, having that many kids, you know, having time available is key.
0: Mm. So how was the trans- transition, if I may ask, from being the manager into whatever you moved into? You are going to tell us. <laughs> well, the transition, it was it was gradual
1: because, you know, be, being an athlete, I, like, I knew how to train myself. And so... I was like, you know, let me let me just work out with a couple of friends and just see how this goes. Mm-hmm. And so I have a garage and I i didn't get the handyman gene. <laughs> so I gutted it out and I turned it into a gym. And again, it was more so just for me because I was bringing the stress of the restaurant home you mm-hmm. know, and snapping at my ex, snapping at the kids. You know, so it's like just it was very irritable depending on how stressful the day was there so i would come home say hi go in the garage and let off some steam you know so then i'd come back come back in more relaxed more calm more focused you know so i could focus on the family Mm -hmm. and so i was like well i have all the space it's like you know maybe maybe i should train a couple people you know make a make a couple bucks on the side and so i started training one and started training one and then the two jumped to 14 like overnight <laughs> and then it just grew and grew and grew and next thing you know i had 40 40 clients training out of my garage
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know so truth truth be told i actually started training in the spare bedroom
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: so i actually got people to come to my house and work out in my spare bedroom and so so then i moved to the basement then i gutted out the garage once the basement wasn't wasn't enough space mm-hmm. so i got to the point where I was making similar money, training mm-hmm. 12 hours a month. Because I was only doing three classes a week, three one hour classes a week. And right, yeah, it was Monday, Wednesday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. So 12, 12 hours a month versus 60 hours a week, 240 hours a month, you know. And so here is just three hours a week, 60 hours a week. <laughs> but when you have a house, when you have cars, when you have five children, it's tough to walk away from the guaranteed income,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and again, and I shared that story because I know that there's people right now that are in a career that they no longer want to be in, but they feel trapped because of the money, the benefits or pension or whatever else is built into it. Mm-hmm. So for me, the universe intervened and I lost my management job. never never been fired before a day in my life i was totally blindsided we Mm. came off one of the best uh profit weeks in in a long time Mm. like payroll was low food cost was low we passed our, our health inspection like everything was everything was good it was a good good week and this guy comes in at the, right after the lunch rush to the jerk. So he let me work first. And then he comes in and fires me <laughs> once everything is slow. Well, you know, he tells me that we're moving in a different direction. He hands me my last check and I was mad at first. Like I said, cause I'd never been fired. It's like kind of a, a blow to the ego, mm-hmm. you know? So, but, but but then I was like, you know what? I was like, thank you. you know, I shook, shook his hand, thanked him for, for, for the opportunity, you know, went, cleared out my, my office and, and I left. And so, Funny part, well, to me, I call my ex and my ex, she was pregnant with the twins at this point, seven Mm -hmm. and a half months pregnant, I believe. Seven months pregnant, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, good news. And she's like, what? I said, I lost my job. (laughs) And she's like, what? (laughs) You know, she lost her for a second. What do you mean this is good news? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but you hated my hours. You hated that I was constantly coming home stressed. And I, I think I, I'm making enough money right now with fitness to where we can keep moving, you know, without, without a hitch. Mm-hmm. And so that was not the case. <laughs> so I ended up filing for unemployment <clears throat> and that took almost three months to come through. Okay. So, so like I had, I had to hustle, hustle fierce just to stay above water to the point to where I had to go and get on food stamps and I'll ne- never forget the, uh, the conversation with my father because he, te- he was advising me to go do it. And I was like, no, I was like, I've been working since I was 12 years old. I was like, I'm not getting getting on food stamps. And my dad, just, he's like, Robert, you've been paying taxes for X amount of year, like for almost two decades. He's like, you're just getting your money back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, you put it that way, <laughs> you know? So, so I ended up going down, applying for food stamps and for childcare. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know we, we ended up getting both but what i did with that was i got my fitness certifications uh-huh. so, so i got personal trainer certified i got group group fitness certified
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then i was able to actually work on the things i needed to work on to grow this fitness business because i didn't graduate college you know, mm-hmm. it's like I graduated high school. I finished, I think, a semester and a half of college. Mm-hmm. Well, be- because when I hurt myself, my Olympic dreams were dashed and I went into a depression. Mm-hmm. And so I-, I did not want want to be in school. You know, so I ended up leaving school. But like I said, I started, I mean, I was managing a restaurant. So I just shifted right over into that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so with this fitness thing, I mean, I'm sure you sure you've heard of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Is I start thinking like can I can I do this? It's like do I have to go back to school? It's like do I need like a like an exercise science degree or something? And like I don't know about marketing. And then I started thinking, you've been managing restaurants for well over a decade. You know, I was like 15 years. Like you you were doing hiring, you were doing firing, you were doing sales forecasting, you were doing inventory, you were calculating payroll costs, you were cal- calculating cost of, of goods sold you know, sales forecasting. I, th- I think I said that already doing income statements and all this stuff. I'm like, like you, you know more about business than you think you do. Mm-hmm. So I just, so I just sat down and just started, you know, writing out a game plan. It's like, how, how can I grow this? And because what I didn't want to do was to go into debt, opening up a studio, like so where, where a lot of gym owners go wrong. They end up putting themselves like six figures in debt, trying to get all this fancy equipment but then you open and you have no clients, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So so it's like, now you have all this overhead and no one to help pay. I said, so we're gonna reverse engineer this thing because I already have 40 clients. I said, so let me encourage them to refer friends and coworkers and stuff. And this was right around the time when Groupon and Living Social started popping up. Mm -hmm. This was in 2011, I believe. And so I tripled my client base, literally overnight. Mm -hmm. So I ran a living social deal, Mm -hmm. and like 150 something people bought it. And about 120 of them showed up, (laughs) you know, know, spread out throughout the week. So I went from having six people in class to like 30 people in class. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. And so, so now I was renting space from an existing location. Yeah, but rather than just going in to get my own,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so I remember talking to my mom. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna open up my own gym, and she's like, how? I'm like, I don't know,
2: because
1: <laughs> I really didn't have savings. I didn't have the best credit, and but I had a vision.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, right. That's that's what one of the big things I talk about in any any um of my intro videos that I send out. I always talk about the clarity of vision. Mm-hmm. So I, I had my notebook. And I, I sketched out. I, I use sketch loosely because I suck at drawing. Mm-hmm. But I sketched out what I wanted my gym to look like, and then I just left it there. Like because now isn't the time. But mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, so now I, I get a business coach, that can to help me focus on, the things I don't want to do, <laughs> because you know. I like to do all the, the fun stuff. Like, I don't want to do all the back office stuff. So, like, I need someone to hold me accountable. So, I went and got, yeah. got a business coach to make sure I'm working on the business stuff that I need to be working on. Mm-hmm. And so, with that, again, the classes just kept growing and kept growing to, to the point where two of my clients approached me. Well, one of my client, clients approached me first. And cause I think I had 41 people in, in this class at 730 at night. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's not prime fitness time. Seven thirty. You mm-hmm. usually it's like four thirty, five thirty, you know, six thirty. But I had forty one people in class, and he comes to me. He's like, Rob, he's like, why don't you have your own place?" And I said, "You know, I said poor poor choices. You know, ten years ago were haunting me now. <laughs> I'm like that's that's why. You no know, truth be told." Mm-hmm. And so he he's like, "I'm gonna talk to my friend, and maybe we can help you." And so, we. Decided to meet up, you know, kind of had like a like a Shark Tank style of grilling. They were just all over me mm-hmm. with with the numbers and stuff. And we had done like I had done just right around 80,000, I want to say, with just two classes a day. Mm. I had a class at 10 o'clock and a class at 730. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they looked at that and they saw the potential. And so they decided to to, to invest in me. And we opened up a five thousand square foot facility. So, so now when we were going through, they, like we were looking at different different places, different areas. We walked into this one, and when I tell you this place was a dump, it was an absolute dump. Like the front room, it smelled. There, there was this dirty carpet. Mm-hmm. It used to be a call center, so there were like just holes all in the wall with all these cords and stuff. But I but I looked at it and I went back to what I sketched out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the layout was perfect, mm-hmm. right? So I walk in there and, and I looked at at the, my two partners. I said, this place is perfect. One of them looked at me like I had five heads. He was like, this place is perfect. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's perfect. And then I just started saying what I had written down. Mm-hmm. It was like I wanted a small room up front to be welcoming, that way people aren't intimidated. Because I do a pretty intense style of training, mm. and I, in the place where I was renting from, it was just a big open warehouse. So you walk in the door and you see this big monkey bar tower and you see these twenty foot climbing ropes, and and people walk in and their eyes go to the stuff they can't do yet, <laughs> right? That, that it's human nature. Like if, yeah. I, if I hand you a meal plan, you're gonna look at all the foods you don't like. Mm-hmm. Right. So I didn't want that in my gym. So I want people to come in, feel comfortable. You know, we can ha- have a consultation and then I can take them in the back and show them all the other stuff. But like I've already taken steps to earn their trust. Okay. You know, so that's what I want. I'm like, this place is perfect. And we built it. You know, we built it out. Mm-hmm. And so the goal, the goal was to, to, to you know, make a hundred grand for the year. And we made it in May. <laughs> it's like we opened up in January, but it's like we did it in May. In May. And when you're working a job, making a hundred thousand dollars seems like it's so difficult. Mm.
2: You know,
1: so difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's really not. It's like once I once I, I went from just those two classes a day up to six, and it's like people would just come in, in droves. You know, I was like, mm. "This is insane! It really is like this is insane." But one thing I caution people is to you have to define what success means to you. So even though it was great, I employed seven other trainers. You know, my ex and I we were working together there. She's like she left her job to work with me in in the facility. You know, like my kids were my birthday party team, you know, because like we did birthday parties on the weekends, mm-hmm. but like it, it got so big that it started to not be fun, you know, and that's what, that's what, what I didn't want. So in 2017, the lease was up over there. So we had to move. So we, we uh, like I ended up downsizing
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's like, yeah, it's not bringing in as much rev- revenue, but I'm way happier. You know, so like people always say money doesn't buy happiness and they're not wrong. Sure. <laughs> they're, okay. they're not wrong at all. It's like you, you, you see very well off people with drug problems or alcoholics, you know, they're, you know, promiscuous. Like there's so many things that people use to to escape the pressures of their success. Mm-hmm. So that, So that's why I tell people like, what does it mean to you? For me, it means being available for anything that my kids need.
0: Now, when you say that it it lost the fun, I mean, what do you exactly mean? Was it uh, taking much more of your time? I mean, uh, much stress, more taxes, or what? What exactly?
1: Well, the overhead was one thing. You know, having business partners was another. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so so it's like, you know, all this money sounds good gross, you know, gross $208,000. Yeah, but that's not net. You know, it was like when, when you're done paying the lease and paying the staff, and then you know whatever's left over was split between myself and the business partners. So it's like after doing all of that, I'm making a little more than I was making as a restaurant manager. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and having that many clients, the phone doesn't stop. Yeah, doesn't stop at all. And with fitness, you have to make yourself available because mm-hmm. it's like you're not the only gym yeah <laughs> so, so if they call you and you you don't answer they're, they're gonna call the next one on the list
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know so okay. like I'd, I'd be out to dinner with the kids and and you know with the kids and my aunt and the phone's just vibrating and vibrating and th- there were times where i'd have to actually get up and take the call she's like you're taking a call now i'm like they're calling now <laughs> you know like if people are ready now i have to take the call mm-hmm. so just think things like that just just added just added pressure you know mm-hmm. so it Ended up putting putting a strain on the relationship, and you know I was still able to make it. I say to probably ninety percent of all of the kids' things because mm-hmm. I could schedule I could schedule trainers to cover me, so I could be where I needed to be. But it was just that, and then just all the back office stuff, just doing the meal plans and the weigh ins and, and, and it, it doesn't sound sound like it's a big deal but when you have ninety people doing a challenge mm-hmm. it's it's tedious, it's time consuming and, and tracking everything. Like it was it was just on such such a large scale mm-hmm. that I just didn't want to do it. Like like I was saying earlier about having a business coach to help me do the things I don't want to do.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all of that stuff. Like being in the gym, mm. that's my wheelhouse. Like being with the athletes, that's mm. my wheelhouse. Like the back office stuff just doesn't do it for me.
0: Yeah, and one thing I like about this story is that uh, the fact that from the beginning, like uh, many people who are listening to this or watching it, so many times we underestimate the potential that we have Yes. But uh, what actually happens, once we get started, one thing leads to another, into another, into another, until you find yourself that you've grown to an extent that is enormous, some some place that you may not have imagined before. Yes. So uh, taking an action over something that you have a vision about is very important, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it was, it was nothing within the gym. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I loved being in there. I loved having the big classes because mm-hmm. m- remember I said a while ago I like an audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it was like the bigger the class, the better. And as a kid, I always wanted to be a DJ. So like I had a DJ speaker in there. I had a microphone. Like it, it was, it was like a performance every yeah. time in there. It was, it was like a performance. It wasn't just just a workout. Mm-hmm. And and so like that that aspect I miss. It was just once I leave the gym all the stuff i have to do to keep everything afloat like that's the part that didn't become fun
0: mm-hmm. now um so you downsized you went to a smaller facility and uh what led to the separation that you talked about the strain on the relationship uh i guess with your ex where did it all come to an end and you parted ways if you know well, made- what
1: well, when when we met, we were we were both working in a restaurant, so we so we we had that in common.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and
1: so she wanted to to go to go become a medical assistant.
2: You know, and okay. so
1: she went she went back, back back to school. She got that certification, then she got into that field. And so just you know, the conversations just started changing a little because, like, I don't care about that industry. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I, I want to hear you talk, but I really can't you know like some of the things you see in a hospital like I don't care to hear about <laughs> you know just some, some of those things you know like uh you know, somebody coming in on, on a stretcher after an accident I don't I don't want to talk about that mm-hmm. you know so so like our communication just started getting lower and lower and then once she once she stopped working at the gym it's like we, we just completely just grew apart
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it just mm-hmm.
0: happens okay yeah things happen But uh, the thing is that uh, whatever happens, life goes on and you're moving on with your life. Yes. Because we are just about getting off time. uh, Let's hear about why you are the host and not the guest. That's why you are used to. All right. So this was in right around
1: 2010, 2011. Mm. There was a a platform called Blog. Actually, I think it's still out there, Blog Talk Radio. Oh, yeah. So I hosted I hosted a show there called Shut Up and Exercise. Mm-hmm. And so it was just about because so many people make excuses when it comes to fitness. Like, oh I don't have time. Oh, I don't have the money or I I have kids. And there's just always some nonsense why why they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And and so and I, I say it's nonsense because if you want to, you can find time. You know people can find time to go to go on vacation like you can't find time to work out for 45 minutes a day you know or even three times a week mm. so, so so now we fast forward and i have you know the fan the fancy lights i have the green screen and i, I bought those things but i wasn't doing anything with it so i i had done i had done a couple a couple episodes and i shifted it because i like i don't want to just talk about fitness So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about other things, you know, so like just how the things I learned being a restaurant manager, I use them in the gym. You know, the same processes to get the gym going. Now, the same way I help people get in shape, whether they want to run faster, lose weight, build muscle, there's a process. So I take that process and help people create stories. And so just the way just the way I had to learn because I used to just get up and just talk you know like mm-hmm. I wasn't actually telling a story and so I went to a speaker boot camp with are you familiar with Eric Thomas
0: uh, yeah Eric Thomas yes yeah yeah I know I know him
1: yeah he's a motivational speaker so he he hosted a speaker boot camp down in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I I went there in 2017 and so there were 41 people in the in the boot camp and so I'm like, I'm gonna outshine all of these people. You know? uh-huh. So I was just getting into speaking in schools and stuff. And so it's my turn, my turn to talk. Now they only gave us ten minutes, mm-hmm. and as as you can see, I can talk. <laughs> so so I tried to I tried to stuff as much into the ten minutes as I could,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
1: And and that but that wasn't the best tactic. So delivery wise, I I feel like I was ahead of everyone else there. Mm-hmm. So. I'm flying back, back home, I land in Boston, driving back down here to Rhode Island. And the phone rings and it's Eric Thomas's CEO, CJ. Mm-hmm. So he thanked me for coming down. He says, out of everyone there, he says, you are by far the most polished speaker. And I was like, yeah. But then he paused. And he, you know, theres it's never good when there's a pause.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he goes, but, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> he says, you're my most frustrating type of student. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm I'm all ears. And he, he said, because I just, I got up there and I just told told what happened to me. You know, like I didn't, I didn't really pull people into the story. Kind of mm-hmm. like when I was telling the story about my kneecap and your, your face, you were like, ooh. You know, it's like, it's like you want to tell it in a way to where the audience can feel it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "All right, I got you." So I just went back and I, I revisited all of the things that happened to me—from the knee injury to the not making it to the Olympics. I just went to everything. I was like, "What are the teachable moments in these things?" So we fast-forward to to my podcast, mm-hmm. right? I just had to share that that part because it'll make this part make more sense. Yeah. So so now I started having guests on my show, and I did my. You know, the stereotypical send me, send me talking points. And so I'm doing my show. I'm going over the talking points. I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I want to like, know you before you got here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, before you got to where you are. Because people, they just want to get right to the good stuff. I wrote four, four books. I have a six-figure business. And I have my dream home. And, it, okay, no, no, no. Who were you one year prior to all that? Yeah. Because like like I wanna pick up the story from that point. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I switched up how I do my podcast. And, and now it, it's more about storytelling. So okay. when I came when I came across yours, I like that the the now now tell us. I was like, mm-hmm. hmm like that seems along the lines of what I'm best at. It's like I don't wanna answer pre-written questions. Okay. Like 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 I want you to hear what I have to say and then ask me questions based on what I said not, and not so far. yes and not mm-hmm. go to the next question so i switched up the entire format of my show mm-hmm. and i love it now because in in the beginning people were kind of caught off guard because i just switched that like i told the first guest that we're, we're not using the talking point she's like oh, oh okay and so the very first question i said so how would you describe yourself <laughs> and she was like um uh she's like that's a really good question how can you not describe yourself (laughs) like you've been you your entire life and and so and through that i created a program called speak about yourself out loud Mm -hmm. you know so that helps people become you know introduce themselves better become better interviewees or interviewers yeah you know people wanna if they have to give presentations or something like that so so it teaches them how to talk about themselves, but splice it into the story.
2: Mm.
1: You know, so from those two events, I created the Shut Up and Grind podcast. And, and mm. so and now it's like we have I believe we're in, we're heard in 35 different countries now. Okay. And when again, when I first started, I'm like, why are people gonna listen to me? yeah, you got Joe Rogan out there, you got these Hollywood stars that have podcasts, these professional athletes that have podcasts like who's gonna listen to me mm-hmm. but then it's like you know if i don't do this no one will mm-hmm. <laughs> so i just got started you know with just organically growing growing the audience like i don't i haven't put a cent into marketing it mm-hmm. it's just you know i do like you i stream on uh, my two facebook pages and i stream onto youtube mm-hmm. and then i i just share them you know the get the guests share them mm-hmm. and then I do panels where I bring back five of, of my of my former guests, mm-hmm. and we just have roundtable discussions o- over a particular topic. Like I'm collaborating with with uh, three of them. We're gonna put on a speaking event later this year. So, so mm-hmm. like you just never know what can come from speaking to each guest, but but speaking to them from the heart versus off of pre written questions.
0: Mm. And that's beautiful. It takes, it takes us back to where you we are talking about uh, us doubting ourselves. But yes. An and from that action it's that uh, you may not have imagined. who's listening to this? and you may have a dream inside of you. You've got to come out and achieve that dream, and you've got to Uh, stop doubting yourself take that action and uh, that action is going to lead you to the and the action that could be very important right now is reaching out to Robert B. Foster and asking him to guide you your way out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah so uh, why how can we reach to you and uh, now you you, with, with the trainings how do you do these this trainings now you talk about speak about yourself out loud the program how do you do it
1: yeah it's completely vir- virtual so we we would link up just just like this mm-hmm. people would people tell me like i just ask them que- questions and they go through and from all those answers we build we build the story and so, oh. for, so for some people they just want to face they just want to face their past know mm-hmm. so for other people they want to share their story and yeah. I know we're, I know we're almost done, so I'll share quick. There was a woman that I heard she did an Instagram live. She is a, a heart attack survivor and a stroke survivor so in, mm-hmm. in her 30s. And so I was just lis- listening to her share her story on the Instagram live and I reached out to her because I was like, I can help you better tell that story if, if you like said I know you don't know me, but but I heard you and i just feel that like there's more power there that we can tap into and so like i did did a couple couple lives with her and long story short she's now the local face of the american heart association oh. so it's like you, you you'll never know where sharing your story will lead
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's what we are talking about so don't hold it in you again wherever you're listening whoever is listening to us right now don't hold it any longer just uh, come out and speak out and uh, yes your story could be that a light that someone out there is waiting yes to um, uh, move around some dark places and come out shining. so why not get a direction on how to tell it from robert and just tell it just do it (laughs) <laughs> yes. And to, and to add
1: just one last thing, because mm-hmm. you, you had said to just get started. I just want to just add on, yeah. just, get, just start ugly, right? Start ugly. Again, yeah. I started my, my gym in my spare bedroom. I got women to come to my house to train in my spare bedroom for fitness. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, go with what you have. If you're passionate about what you do, people will come to you. Mm. You know, it's like I didn't start, even when even when we opened the 5,000 square foot uh, facility, we mm. didn't start with, with everything. I think we had two medicine balls. We had maybe four or five kettlebells. You know, we had some generic sandbags. And then over time, we added. And mm. over time, we add. Now I have a full arsenal of equipment, but we did it over time. It's like you don't have to thrust yourself into debt. You know, everything doesn't have to be perfect for mm. you to start. Start Just start ugly. and let it organically build.
0: Just start ugly, yo! What a beautiful statement. Just start <laughs> ugly. Just get started. So, how can people reach you?
1: Okay, well, right now my website is under construction, but it's robertbfoster.com So that should be that should be done shortly, and then you can find me on Facebook. Same same thing at Robert B Foster. On in- Instagram, I'm
0: just gonna add a couple underscores. Robert underscore B underscore Foster. Oh, so many underscores. <laughs> <laughs> we well, have
1: a- well, my well, my name is common, so. <laughs> okay. so. We are going to
0: tag your Facebook at the moment uh, on the uh, show, so that people can get connected to you on Facebook, and uh, we never know where we go. Yes. So it's been such a great honor to have you with us. So uh we wish you all success as we wish all the listeners all the success in life and uh i am reminding you for those of you who may not have uh, connected to me to go and download your achieve your dream workbook from (laughs) AnthonyMoirore.com. don't forget that (laughs) so i wish that you achieve your dream i wish robert that you achieve your big dream however it is and uh it's been an honor quite a big honor to have you to all the listeners or the ones who are watching we appreciate you we had some comments there but they are in a language that I can just I cannot decipher
2: okay
0: that, that's something now, that,
1: it says I want to learn English
0: I I wonder ah okay that's what it says so yes. that's achievable <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay that's yeah. what language is that
1: that's
0: Spanish oh Spanish okay that's good so it's been an honor to everyone and um thank you very much once again
1: thank you for having me
0: appreciate right. it and bye for now all right take care all right you take care